All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. What's up, everybody? It's a Friday, December 17th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show, and everything is happening. So much news this morning from around the National Hockey League. We'll break it all down for you. We're streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as Twitter and YouTube. He's Steve Greeley, former Buffalo Sabres assistant general manager, now Daily Faceoff analyst. Reels, how are you hanging? Doing good, Frank. We thought we were going to have like a quiet day searching for some topics and as has been uh, the status of the NHL all year, boom, something's happening. So we got a lot to talk about that we weren't planning on as of 10 a.m. today, but that's professional sports. Yeah, I'm not sure the Winnipeg Jets were planning, uh, certainly their players were planning for this news this morning. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock, and let's drop the puck with this. Paul Maurice, breaking news this morning, resigning as Winnipeg Jets head coach, nearly made it eight years, which is an incredible track record for a head coach. Nothing sinister to this announcement. I think he summed up his resignation and surprising resignation from the Jets quite well with this, basically saying, I've pushed the rock up the mountain for so long and you can only get it so far. And he feels pretty comfortable with where he's ending off the rock to this point. Dave Lowry, the assistant coach, steps in as the interim coach. He will finish the season there. 
Steve, we rarely see a head coach decide to make a decision like this. The shelf life for these guys is generally so short that essentially they end up backing themselves into a position where you have to get fired. Unique step from Paul Maurice to make this decision in conjunction with Jets ownership and management. What was your reaction when you heard it? Uh, you know, I was shocked at first because to your point, Frank, this just doesn't happen every day. I think the number one takeaway I had is what amazing self-evaluation and self-awareness that Paul Maurice had and what an incredible respect for his organization, for his ownership, for his players in taking essentially what's the highest road possible and saying, you know, it's time for me to move aside. And you read that quote, which was a great one. Um, you know, I was shocked. He had done a great job four years in a row in the playoffs, five of the last eight. I think he's coached over 1,600 games, you know, an amazing job. Um, but I just have so much respect for how he seems to have handled this situation and how the whole Jets uh, organization has handled it. Well, and look, uh, you mentioned self-awareness. He, he used some other terms, uh, you know, law of diminishing returns, need a new voice. And he said that he's always been an honest critic of himself, which I think if you've listened to his press conferences and handled himself over these eight years, second longest tenured head coach in the league, only to John Cooper. And he said, look, John Cooper's won two Stanley Cups. I haven't done that. He said, it's not arrogant, but he said, I am uniquely qualified to be in a position to say this team needs a new voice. You know, you know, when he was speaking of the law of diminishing returns, he was saying, you know, you hit the button the first time and he said, you get this amazing jolt from it. He's like, every time you keep going back to that, it becomes less and less. And at a certain point, it's not that players tuned him out. He said, look, these guys didn't quit on me. They didn't stop working. He said, my teams have never done that. He's been a head coach in this league for 26 years, which is incredible given his age. But you look at it and he said, I'm just, you know, this isn't for me anymore. I can't be the guy that pushes this team forward. And so when you look at the state of the Winnipeg Jets as a whole, where does he lead this group? Because I look at Winnipeg, and when Paul Maurice first arrived, everyone talked about the Jets being the Winnipeg Jets 2.0. To me, they were really the Atlanta Thrashers 2.0. And what he did, and he mentioned this in his press conference, with all due respect to Kevin Sheveldayoff and some of the players that have been in and out of there, he's been a constant guiding force, a guiding light, who has taken this team from the Thrashers 2.0, to being one of the more well-respected teams in the league, a bottom 10 team to now a top 10 team. That's hard to do, and it's hard to do over a sustained period of time. Where does he leave this team moving forward, Grills? I had the Jets. I picked them to win the Stanley Cup this year. Kevin Sheveldayoff said in his press conference that followed, they can either be one of the top teams in the league because they could be that good and it's up to the players now, or they could be a team that's fighting for their playoff lives and might not get in. Well, I think he steps aside with a team that still has the ability to achieve a lot this year. And that, maybe that's part of all did it, right? He sees upside. He sees potential in this group. And maybe maybe the momentum's going to change with a new voice. We've seen things like what's going on with Vancouver, five in a row. Um, you know, is it as simple as that, that by Paul stepping aside, that they can go on this incredible run? No, if, of course, there's many factors that go into it. But I do believe this team has the talent. They do have the depth. And we talked last week, you know, with some of the Jets uh, people, Ken Weeb there about where they are. And he doesn't think they're far off. And he's someone who watches the team every single day. So 
are they a simple addition away from this team going on a great run? Very possible. And sometimes it's just a coach. So this is not a team that's uh, broken, but they do have to figure it out. They do want to take some steps here just outside the playoffs. But, you know, momentum often comes in these coaching changes, and maybe this is another one. Yeah, and I think everyone's curious what happens next with Paul Maurice. You know, that's the one sort of lingering question. He he made the joke, uh, Jim Rutherford's timing is impeccable. Uh, you know, everyone knows the close relationship that Paul Maurice and Jim Rutherford have. He hired him twice in Carolina. You rarely see that happen, and everyone's saying, well, what's the next step? Is he going to go into management? Paul Maurice kind of poured a little cold water on that. He said, I don't know. Uh, he said, I tend to, you know, you need so much expertise in this business that I tend to think of myself as a coach. Um, at the same time, he really sounded, I want to make two quick more points before we move on about, uh, about what's next with the Jets and Dave Lowry. It's just that two things he said, I, I, it seemed like someone really at peace with himself. You know, I, I, I don't need to coach a game tonight and I don't know that I ever need to coach another one. And I know just going back with Paul Maurice for a long time, that he was concerned, you know, before getting this Jets job, I may never work in this league again. And, and here we go, has has really established himself as one of the very best coaches in the NHL that will have no trouble finding work again if he wants to. And the other part is, which I don't think he, he'll get enough credit for, and, and hopefully he will after the way he articulated it, is that if you know Paul Maurice, you know that he's genuine, and you know that when he says that he felt like he needed to step aside – that it's because he actually views the Winnipeg Jets as a community asset, that he is a steward or one of the stewards for that asset. And to me, that's what pro sports should be. They're, the, the franchise, yes, there's an owner. It's someone that's guiding it along. But this is for the community. It's how you identify yourself. And especially in a market that's as small as Winnipeg, as tight-knit as Winnipeg, where there's so much pride in that team, he really became one of them. And so I think that's a unique transcendence that not a lot of coaches particularly have been able to, to do in their market, to been able to establish. And uh, it's certainly a unique, unique setup. So all the best to Paul Maurice. But moving on to what's next with the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Dayoff, as I mentioned, saying that assistant coach Dave Lowry will finish the season as the interim head coach. Paul Maurice mentioning that uh, one of the factors that allowed this to happen is their assistant in Jamie Compon is now back on the bench. He was, of course, a big part of, of what they did in Los Angeles. Dave Lowry has been a head coach previously in junior hockey for two different teams uh, in the Western Hockey League, has been working away at his craft after nearly an 1,100-game uh, NHL career himself as a player, uh, immediately went into coaching his 16th year as a coach uh spent a number of years as you can see here in the nhl as an assistant uh is there a little bit of an awkwardness steve or is it possible to have a little bit of an awkwardness when it comes to dave lowry also being on the bench with his son adam as a player you know an assistant coach maybe one thing does a head coach is it different frank if he's anything like us his son's ice time is going from 15-11 to 17-11. That's what we do with our kids. You start, you go. No, but I, I think at this level. I was going to say, I don't know how Lowry, you coach. It's the exact opposite for me. Mine's <laughs> like, all right, you're playing 13. Now you're playing nine. Get, go, go, my go, kids start every period. 
my kids start every period. And if we pull the goalie, they go out. No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> at this level, this, you know, Dave Lowry is a pro. He's been doing it a long time. His son is a, a heck of a pro. Um, so I think there's no concern there. Honestly, it never gets to this point where Dave Lowry's in the organization. If there was concern at the top level, Kevin Shovel Day off their group is very comfortable with this. Paul Maurice was very comfortable with it. And I know that now he is the head coach, but at the end of the day, he is a pro. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a bad situation at all. And now what you're wondering, is this a case of, you know, Daryl Sutter or Mike Sullivan or Bilesma where the coach comes in and this team goes on an incredible run. So I don't think there'll be any awkwardness there. Um, how the next couple of months go will probably dictate, is this the long-term solution? We know it's interim right now, but you know, every hey, you're never rooting against a coach, and you're certainly not rooting against a, a father-son combination. It's pretty neat to see. I think I think it's exciting for the league, and hopefully, it works for the Jets. Yeah, and Kevin Sheveldayoff also hinting that we'll see how this unfolds, but that Dave Lowry could actually be the solution here. So we'll see. Uh, just for historical purposes and records, uh, there have been a number of NHL head coaches as uh, fathers that have also coached their son at the same time. Bill Deneen was the last person to do it, I believe, with his son Kevin and the Philadelphia Flyers in 1992-93. Lester Patrick has also coached his kids. Bernie Boom Boom Jeffrey on with the Montreal Canadiens and his son Dan and Sid Abel with his son Jerry. So that's the list. Not a long one in NHL history. Assistants have done it. A lot of coaches and fathers have coached against their sons, rarely as a head coach on the same bench. Let's get to our, it feels like our daily COVID update, given what's unfolded in the National Hockey League. The Edmonton Oilers announcing today that Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been added to the list. The Calgary Flames have one more player on the list. That brings the total, I believe, to 19. And as of this very moment, 12-13 Eastern, well, we now have at least 74 National Hockey League players, more than 10% of the NHL in active COVID protocol, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. We've seen some players that have been voicing some concerns over the last few days, and I guess, Steve, that certainly caught your eye as well. Yeah, it did, Frank. And you know, we talked about it a few days ago that it felt like in a bad way trade deadline where something's happening every minute and you're looking at your phone and that's what the COVID list kind of feels like right now. Um, what we see now is, you know, Nick Cousins coming out saying pause the season for a week or Andrew Kopp talking about, you know, vaccinations. And, and that's totally fine. Like it, it's a league of grown men. They have strong opinions and they have the freedom to share their opinions. And let's face it, they're in front of the media every single day. The interesting thing to me is kind of, what what becomes a dynamic with these opinions of teammates that you know you're not sharing the same thing you know it's almost like politics you, you, not everyone's going to agree right they're not going to all agree on who's going to be the president and but this is different because it, it is impacting them daily and it's something that's unique to a team and it's or, or unique to sports we haven't had to gone th gone through it ever other than the last year and a half where you're literally debating about a disease that's impacting you, your family members. So it's an interesting time. And hey, a lot of stuff's happening. We saw what happened with Montreal out of nowhere, no fans yesterday. And, you know, it, it, we don't know what's next. And that that uncertainty, that confusion, it's, it's a challenge for the players. It's a challenge for the league. And nobody has the perfect answer right now. So you hope that 
whether you, you hope that a process helps us continue to find a way to, to deal with it, but it's a, it's a real challenge. We know that. Yeah. Nashville predators forward, Nick cousins, who's in the protocol, sending out a tweet on social media, pause the season enough. Um, I think that certainly grabbed everyone's attention. Lots of other hot, hot spots popping up around the league. I think the Florida Panthers are bracing themselves for a potential few more additions to their COVID list. I'm told at this moment that the Detroit Red Wings and their coaching staff are also dealing with a positive test. It, it feels like it's unending. It feels like uh, the NHL is going to try and do everything they can to power through this. It doesn't really make sense to pause the season given that there are you know, 20 plus teams that can ice a, a lineup and this thing isn't going anywhere. I think if we could all get to the point where we'd say, hey, we're going to pause for two weeks right now and we can come back and we won't have any positive tests. Sure, we would all take that. But we know that that is not likely to be the case that, you know, you could be in a worse spot two weeks from now. So we'll see how this all unfolds. It's developing hour by hour, minute by minute. It feels like positive tests keep popping up around the NHL. Let's get to the next wave with Chris Peters. All right, Chris, welcome back to the program. We're glad to have you for another edition of The Next Wave. It's exactly a week until Christmas Eve, which means hockey fans have a present to unwrap under their tree with another year of the World Junior Hockey Championship, again played in Edmonton this year. Hopefully this time with fans, we're all bracing ourselves. You know, it would be unfortunate, of course, for Edmonton getting to host the second year now in a row with the idea to have fans in the building. We'll see what happens there. But want to ask you, you've done a deep dive on dailyfaceoff.com on Team USA and their entry. What about, uh, how's this roster shaping up? Wh who are going to be the stars and leaders of this team that everyone should be paying attention to? Yeah, well, they have the advantage of having a lot of high-end draft prospects. So, you know, I think in terms of the leadership of the team, you're looking at Jake Sanderson as the top defenseman, probably going to wear a letter for this team. Matty Beneers, the number one center, also probably going to wear a letter. Both returnees from last season. Those are two guys that really are going to be the anchors of this team. But if, as you look kind of on the periphery as well, Brett Berard is another returnee, plays a good two-way role. He plays for Nate Lehman at Providence, who's, who's Team USA's head coach as well. Um, he's going to be a top-line player. He's He kind of grew up with Matty Veneers. They played on the same line in, in youth hockey and at the National Team Development Program. And another guy to keep an eye on in terms of who's going to play a really significant role for this team is actually Brock Faber, who is a little bit under the radar as a prospect, but Los Angeles Kings fans are really excited about him. He's one of the elite defenders in college hockey. And Nate Lehman is planning to keep both Sanderson and Faber apart just so that he can make sure that he has good balance on that decor because he trusts both of those guys with everything that this team needs to do uh, on the back end. Chris, I'm I'm slightly disappointed you're not dressed as like Captain America today. You know we're we're getting ready for the tournament. Um, you know, talk to us about the the decor for us. When I look at it, I look at tournaments past it. I gotta imagine it's one of the best, if not the best, in the entire tournament this year. Where do you stand on their group? Yeah, I do. I do think it is the best blue line. Um, you know, you look at you've got uh, high end draft picks like Jake Sanderson, like Luke Hughes. Um, Hughes can play on either side. He's going to play on the power play, so you're going to get a dynamic element from him. I mentioned Faber being an elite defender. The same can be said for Wyatt Kaiser, who plays a ton of minutes for the University of Minnesota Duluth and has since he was a true freshman. Transitioned right from high school 
to college hockey about as seamlessly as I've seen anybody probably since Ryan McDonough do it um, on the back end, at least. And he's really uh, been a been a really solid player for them. You know, you also have Tyler Clevin, who's more of the physical big brand. You know, he's, he plays plays uh, for, for North Dakota and is a prospect of the Ottawa Senators. Very physical guy. But then you also have more of that dynamic element in Jack Pert, who's a Minnesota draft pick, and Scott Morrow. And then you've got an all-around guy in Ian Moore. So really, there's balance throughout this blue line. The one thing that it, you can say about every single guy on that list is that they can skate, they have good mobility, they can move pucks well, and they have good size in addition to all of that. So this is a very strong group. I think Canada's is right up there, too, with Owen Power and Caden Gooley. But, you know, if I'm looking up and down through one through eight on this blue line, to me, the U.S. is the clear, uh, clear best blue line group in this tournament. Chris, one of the big stories of this World Junior Tournament is the fact that there's so many draft-eligible prospects that are expected to make big impacts. You think of the 2022 draft and Shane Wright on Team Canada, and then we're looking as far ahead to 2023 with, of course, um, you know, uh, Connor Bedard and uh, Matvey Matchek from, yeah. uh, from Team Russia. When you look at this Team USA roster, Logan Cooley jumps out at you immediately from the class of 2022. What can we expect from him? Yeah, well, I mean, basically, the the way things worked out for Team USA, they lost Thomas Bordalo to uh, they lost Thomas Bordalo to to COVID. He, he got a positive COVID test. He's not able to come. He would have been Team USA's number two center. They're going to give uh, Logan Cooley a long look at that opportunity. He is a very fast, very skilled player. Lightning quick release. He can really get behind defense as well. Solid in transition. You know, good enough in the two-way side. I think that they're going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach if, if he's going to be defensively sound enough to play center in a top-six role for this team or if they have to move him to the wing. But either way, this is a player that they expect to be a key offensive contributor despite the fact that he's an underager. He was one of the best players in the summer camp, and now he's going to have an opportunity to have a big role for Team USA in the real tournament. Yeah, that's going to be certainly one of the juiciest parts of the tournament to watch. We're looking forward to seeing all of it unfold on dailyfaceoff.com. Chris, you will be in Red Deer and Edmonton covering the tournament for us, and you'll have all the news and insight from that. So, Chris, thanks so much. This has been another edition of The Next Wave. All right, Steve, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. My question to you, the Vancouver Canucks on a roll under Bruce Boudreaux. Will they make the playoffs? I First of all, I love seeing this inbox questions fill up every day. I feel like every day we're getting more and more questions. This is a great one today. You know, I think it's an uphill battle. But we're talking about a team that's eight and two, is not squeezing the stick very tight, eight and two in their last 10. And they're feeling this momentum right now that they can do it. And it's hard to bet against these teams when they go on these runs. They're down three nothing the other day. They come back to four three. If I had to guess, I think they're going to finish just out the just on the outside. But I like the direction they're going. And obviously they feel great about themselves. And Frank, you know as well as I do, Bruce Boudreau has done it before. Yep. Uh, they've won six in a row now under Boudreaux and you start to look at the West standings and yes, the thing working against them is they don't have quite as much runway as everyone else. They've played more games than everyone else that they're grouped with, but some of the teams that hopped over at least points wise to this point 
has certainly raised some eyebrows and, and also the fact that Bruce Boudreaux has done it before. I was actually at the first ever game he coached in the NHL covering that. And the Washington Capitals team that he inherited at the time was a mess, 6-14 and 1. He comes in, they finished 37-17 and 7. And yes, granted, it was the Southeast Division at the time, but they make the playoffs. They lose in the first round in seven games. But still, what he was able to do with that Capitals team, his track record for regular season success, the fact that this group is freed up. I thought and said that the Vancouver Canucks were dead in the water a couple weeks back. I don't know that that's quite the case now. So, uh, wow. it's uh, don't know that we would have been saying that uh, and certainly surprised to be having the conversation. So thanks to Arpin for that question on Twitter. Let's get to our daily face-off best bets of the day. Tyler Uremchuk texted you last night, saw Steven Stamkos assist. Boom! Hammering it. Another win for you. What, what do you got for us tonight? Yeah, so uh, taking a look at my record on the season now, 61-38-3. We're up 16.7 units. Uh, last night, got the split. The last second kind of scratches in Colorado with Makar and Kemper kind of did me in there. But we'll look to bounce back tonight, starting with uh, a team that's struggling a little bit in the Buffalo Sabres. They're going up against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I love the Penguins in this spot. The line has been moving towards them all day as well. Earlier this morning, the puck line was minus 120. I'm still taking it at minus 131. The Sabres have played in five sets of back-to-back -back games this season. They've lost the second game every time. The Penguins have had at least two-plus days off in each of their last, or sorry, their 3-0 and the last three times. They've had at least two-plus days off. So the Penguins rested. The Sabres aren't. The Penguins are red hot. The Sabres aren't. I like the Penguins in this spot on the puck line. And for my second play, I'm actually double-dipping into this matchup. Something I noticed before the show started. Each of the last four Fridays, I've given a plus money bet, and every time it's hit. So uh, we're making it plus money Friday here on the Daily Faceoff Show, and I'm taking Sidney Crosby over one and a half points, plus 145 on the payout. That's implied odds of 40%. Okay, well, Crosby's done this in four of his last five games. He's also got 15 points in his last 10 games. He's been insanely productive as of late. The Penguins have been scoring pretty well recently. They're going up against an inferior Sabres team. I love Crosby to go over a point and a half, and I love the value at plus 145. So hopefully I can keep the magic rolling on the plus money Fridays, Frank. Yeah, Penguins coach Mike Sullivan uh, saying earlier this week, Sid feels and looks like he's in a different place right now. And you can tell with how productive he's been. A little plus money Friday. Might have to dip in on that myself. Thank you, Tyler. It is now time for my favorite segment of the show, and that is garbage time. Steve Greeley, what has caught your eye? What's grabbed your attention? Well, kind of a hot topic thing for me, Frank, just because there's so many different opinions on how it goes. Jason Spezza having his suspension reduced from six games to four. Personally, I like it. You know, there's a the, the ability to re you know look back and think about these games that the players receive in the beginning. I like seeing the reduction. I think the league takes in more information. It's not set in stone. Sometimes the opposing team, Winnipeg, might not be too happy about. I like the process, you know, that they have in place. Frank, you might be on the total opposite end of me. I don't know. Several people are on many topics, but I like seeing it. I thought they had a good process, and they got to a number that the league is happy with. Well, I think for me, what stands out is the fact that this was able to expedite it and heard quickly. So too many times, I think that's why the system is broken, that it's appealed to Gary Bettman. And in this case, you know, by the time he hears it, makes an opinion on it, 
it ends up happening too late and the player has already missed more games than required. In this case, they get a little bit lucky. They had a game postponed against the Calgary Flames and Jason Spezza only ends up missing the actual four that the suspension was reduced to. This was never about money for Spezza. This was about reputation. He had a clean reputation. Gary Bettman made that point in his argument brief that was released uh, Friday as well. So certainly something uh, that I think leaves you feeling better about the process and the way that it unfolds. Um, you know, the other part of it too, Gary Bettman mentioning in his brief was the fact that Neil Pionk ended up not being as injured as it originally seemed. So that weighs into it as well as Jason Spezza's really clean record throughout his entire lengthy National Hockey League career. So Good, good on you, Grills, to point that out. Important note today. So much happening. So many things going on. We covered a lot of time on the Daily Faceoff show today. But that is all the time that we have for today. We will be back on Monday with another edition right here at 12 noon Eastern. Thanks so much for watching. In the meantime, keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Oh, oh, oh. 
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.